Welcome to Hence the Future podcast. I'm Adam Cronin, and today we're discussing the Bitcoin Lightning Network. That means we'll get into what the Lightning Network is, what the Lightning Network does, and why the Lightning Network matters for the future of Bitcoin, other cryptocurrencies, and the global financial system itself. Let's start with what the Lightning Network is and does. The Lightning Network is a solution to Bitcoin's famous scalability problem. The scalability problem isn't that big of a deal right now because Bitcoin is still very much in the early days, but it may become a big deal in the near future. Right now, if I want to buy $100 worth of Bitcoin on Coinbase, Coinbase will charge me a $2.99 fee, and it'll take about 5 to 10 minutes for that transaction to be recorded on the Layer 1 Bitcoin blockchain. That's pretty good. However, as more and more people use Bitcoin, the network becomes bottlenecked. That means each transaction will take a lot longer to process and the transaction fees will be much higher. That's because every Bitcoin transaction includes a record of all previous Bitcoin transactions going back to the very first transaction that ever occurred on the Bitcoin blockchain. This is intentional to keep the network secure and to ensure that there is only ever one source of truth on the blockchain. So you can imagine how if Bitcoin continues to succeed and grow and flourish, there will be so many transactions that in order to actually compute all of the previous transactions that have occurred, it will require a lot of energy. And that means it will also require a lot of money in the form of transaction fees and a lot of time in order to wait for that transaction to fully process. It simply would not make sense to buy a slice of pizza for $5 if the transaction fee is $50 or $100. Therefore, you would only ever make transactions on the layer one Bitcoin blockchain if they are really high value. So perhaps an NFL player's salary or a really expensive piece of art or some sort of legal dispute. Those might be settled on the layer one Bitcoin blockchain, but any sort of smaller transaction like a cup of coffee or a slice of pizza, it simply would not make sense to use Bitcoin for that transaction. However, there is a solution to this scalability problem, and the solution is actually as old as the idea of Bitcoin itself. This is to create a second layer that allows the network to scale horizontally as well as vertically. Satoshi Nakamoto, the mysterious inventor of Bitcoin, was well aware of the scalability issue, and he actually built Bitcoin so that it would be flexible enough to evolve into this multi-layered system over time. So I'll show an actual snippet of code from the very first instantiation of Bitcoin right here on the video pod, so you can see where he mentions this. And the direct quote from Satoshi is, the design supports a tremendous variety of possible transaction types that I designed years ago. Escrow transactions, bonded contracts, third-party arbitration, multi-party signature, etc. If Bitcoin catches on in a big way, these are things we'll want to explore in the future. But they all had to be designed at the beginning to make sure they would be possible later. So to understand what Satoshi is getting at here, let's use a metaphor. And that metaphor is opening up a tab at the bar. So when you go out to the bar with your friends, you probably don't pay for every single beer every single time you buy it, especially if you're buying some beers for your friends. Typically, you will open up a tab at the beginning of the night, you'll make many transactions throughout the night, and then you only settle at the end of the night once you've had all your beers and it's time to go home. Similarly, with the Bitcoin Lightning Network, I can open up a channel with my friend, with an employee, with a merchant, with whomever I like, and then I can transact with them many times without having to occur additional wait times and additional fees so long as I record an opening transaction at the beginning and a closing transaction at the end. It's helpful to visualize how this looks geometrically. 
So imagine I have a vertical line connecting blocks that are stacked one on top of the other. Each new block will be added to the top, and that includes the entire history of all previous transactions in the prior blocks. Now that is the layer one blockchain. It is this set of vertical blocks with each block including the record of all previous blocks. In addition to this vertical layer one system, you can also branch off. This allows you to massively scale the number of transactions you're able to undertake without having high transaction fees and high wait times. And you can still always refer back to the layer one Bitcoin blockchain if there are any disputes about settlements. Even better, you don't actually have to open up a channel and close a channel with every single person you interact with. That's because the Lightning Network enables a mesh network of peers. So going back to our bar tab example, if I already have a tab open at the bar and my friend wants a beer, he doesn't have to open up a tab at the bar, he can just go through me. So the Lightning Network creates this mesh network of peers so you can route financial transactions through this network while minimizing the number of fees, minimizing the wait times, and still allowing for robust security. Similar to how the internet routes packets of information through the nodes on the web. Now that we've gone over the basics of the Lightning Network and how it operates, let's look at some of the benefits of the Lightning Network and some of the challenges that it still has to overcome. The main benefits are that it's faster, cheaper, and far more scalable than layer one Bitcoin transactions. It's also interoperable, meaning it can work with other cryptocurrencies and other fiat currencies. It also still benefits from the Bitcoin layer one security. So you kind of get the benefits of all the security and robustness of the Bitcoin network by building on top of that network. And at any time, you can go and look at what's actually recorded on that layer one blockchain to settle any disputes. Similar to how if there are disputes of you and your friend splitting up the bill, you can look at the list of who ordered what and settle it based on that information. The Lightning Network also may enable the next phase of Bitcoin's evolution from being a stable store of value like a digital gold to a true medium of exchange that people use to buy things. And if you recall, in the early days of Bitcoin, it really was trying to be a medium of exchange more so than a store of value. Everyone wanted to accept Bitcoin at their store. Everyone wanted to start paying for things in Bitcoin. But very soon, it became absurd to actually spend your Bitcoin. One of the earliest purchases ever made with Bitcoin was a man who bought a Papa John's pizza for 10,000 Bitcoin in 2010. That would be a $342 million pizza in today's dollars. So given how much Bitcoin has appreciated in value, it simply does not make sense to buy regular things with Bitcoin. That's why many will argue against the Bitcoin Lightning Network making some grand change for the future because why would anyone want to spend their Bitcoin? Why wouldn't they just hodl their Bitcoin forever? However, in countries where the currencies have been seriously devalued, they are starting to actually use Bitcoin for regular transactions. One of the biggest examples of this is El Salvador, also known as Bitcoin Beach, where Bitcoin will become official legal tender in the country starting in September 2021. At this point, people will use Bitcoin to buy regular things and they will use Lightning Network apps, most likely, to make those purchases. 
In the long term, once Bitcoin has appreciated enough in value and reached a truly global scale, it will likely stabilize in value. At that point, it's also quite possible that Bitcoin will actually be used more in transactions because it will not be as volatile at that later date. So the question is, will Bitcoin eventually become a means of exchange or will it continue to really mainly be used as a store of value like digital gold? To assess this question, let's look at two laws, Gresham's law and Tears law. Gresham's law states that bad money dries out good. So if you have two types of currency in circulation and one of them is perceived to be more valuable, the more valuable currency will eventually be removed from circulation because people will hold it for themselves as a store of wealth and only the less valuable currency will still be in circulation. One example of this is during the late ancient Roman Empire when originally the Roman Empire produced denarii, their form of currency, of money, that were pure silver. But over time, as the empire struggled to pay all of its bills and it grew more debts, it started to devalue their denarii, and they had less and less silver content in those coins. Well, guess what happened? Fewer and fewer of these solid 100% silver denarii were in circulation. People stored them in their vaults, or they buried them, or they put them in a treasure chest, and only the debased denarii were left in circulation. Therefore, many will argue that because Bitcoin is such a good long-term store of value and it's much more valuable than any of the fiat currencies in circulation and a lot of the other altcoins in circulation, it will never be used as a means of transaction due to Gresham's law. And there are a number of other cryptocurrencies that are competing for this slot of being the top currency as a medium of exchange. Dogecoin, for instance, is one possibility. Elon Musk is very much a proponent of that possible solution, mostly because it's funny and ironic, but also because Dogecoin has a much higher supply than Bitcoin. Whereas Bitcoin eventually tapers out to only have 21 million coins in circulation, Dogecoin continues to increase the supply of coins. Therefore, it's never going to be as good of a store of value as Bitcoin, but it could be a better medium of exchange because when there is some level of inflation, people are more willing to use that currency to actually spend it on regular goods and services. Similarly, Bitcoin Cash is a hard fork of Bitcoin that allows for much bigger block sizes, which allows for many more transactions, lower fees, lower wait times. Therefore, perhaps Bitcoin Cash will be the main medium of exchange in the future. Ethereum also transitioned recently from Ethereum 1.0, which is proof of work, to Ethereum 2.0, which is proof of stake, allowing for it to scale far more than layer 1 Bitcoin transactions. So Ethereum 2.0 is also a possibility as the main medium of exchange in the future. And of course, there's also a potential digital US dollar, digital euro, digital yen, which people are already most familiar with. It is also possible that people will continue to use fiat currencies to buy things and that will sort of be like their checking account, their credit card, their Venmo account, and then their savings account will be what they put in Bitcoin. That'll be what they don't plan to spend anytime soon. Let's look at Tears Law. Tears Law is the reversal of Gresham's Law and that states that once bad money becomes so debased that it's nearly worthless, people will start to use good money again out of necessity. So think of Venezuela, Nigeria, Lebanon right now. All of them are experiencing massive devaluation of their currency. So whereas it's true now in the US that 
I'm not going to buy anything with Bitcoin. If I'm going to go get a coffee, I'm going to pay US dollars for that coffee. If eventually it gets to the point where the US dollar is so devalued that it would be $1,000 to buy a coffee, and then five minutes later, it would be $1,500 to buy a coffee. Well, at that point, it no longer makes sense to buy anything in dollars because there is really no faith left in the system at all. Therefore, you may switch overnight or over a short period of time to pretty much paying with everything in whatever the good form of money is, which would be small number of Bitcoin known as Satoshis. And you would pay that through a Lightning Network app. And then therefore, it could be the main system of being both a store of value and being the main medium of exchange. And I think El Salvador is going to be really interesting to look at there to see if they end up using it for both purposes or more for the store of value purpose. The next question you might have is, how do I actually access the Bitcoin Lightning Network? In other words, what's the best app to use? What's the best wallet to use? And it's such a quickly developing space that there is no one answer. And the answer today might be quite different than the answer three months or six months from now. But I was just in a Twitter spaces with many Bitcoin experts and they recommended three wallets, Moon, M-U-U-N, Blue Wallet, and Wallet of Satoshi. There's also Strike, which just came out from Jack Mahler's. And Chivo is a new Lightning Network app in El Salvador, where El Salvador is actually giving every citizen $30 worth of Bitcoin via this wallet as part of their promotion for the switch to Bitcoin as legal tender in September. Jack Dorsey is also working on a new Bitcoin Lightning Network wallet and app. That is TBD. There's no name for that yet. And it's quite possible that eventually the Lightning Network will be incorporated into other major cryptocurrency apps like the Cash App, Robinhood, and even Coinbase. Now let's get into the future scenarios. Let's start with the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. The worst case scenario would be if all governments everywhere ban Bitcoin. However, I think that's so unlikely, both because of how difficult it is to totally stomp out Bitcoin. As long as there's one node running on the network, the network survives. And also to seize people's Bitcoin is not easy because if they have it stored in hardware wallets and they are the only ones who know the passwords, it's hard for the government to force someone to give over their password if they're the only one who knows it. So an outright ban of Bitcoin across the globe doesn't even seem remotely likely from my point of view. However, it is quite possible that governments will impose regulations and limitations on Bitcoin, such as requiring you to go through an intermediary like Coinbase or Robinhood in order to comply with KYC, Know Your Customer. Know Your Customer is a law that requires companies to collect information about who they're doing business with so they can know that they are paying their taxes, that they aren't doing anything nefarious, they're not doing anything illegal with Bitcoin. So I could see a situation where eventually the government requires you to go through one of these intermediaries. And if you're worried about government regulation, if you're worried about someone hacking the exchange that you use, if you're worried about the exchanges simply going out of business and not being able to pay everyone what they're owed, then the best solution is always to hold your own private keys. Don't keep all of your Bitcoin on some third-party server. 
keep it in your own hardware wallet so that you are the only person who knows the private key to your wallet. Another worst case scenario is that the Lightning Network simply does not work. There could be some fatal flaw that hasn't been unearthed yet because it's still relatively early. However, the Lightning Network is just one possible implementation of a layer two solution to scale Bitcoin. So even if the Lightning Network fails, it's quite possible that someone will develop a more robust layer two solution that will allow Bitcoin to scale. Another scenario I've heard people worry about is a quote buy attack. And it goes something like this. If there are some really wealthy people or really powerful governments, especially governments that have the ability to print their own currency, well, what if the government or the powerful person simply tries to buy all the Bitcoin so that they can control it and manipulate it in the same kind of way that the gold market has been manipulated once countries own the majority of gold stockpiles that there were in the world. Well, Satoshi actually has a response to this that is pretty awesome. So here's exactly what he says, quote, when someone tries to buy all the world's supply of a scarce asset, the more they buy, the higher the price goes. At some point, it gets too expensive for them to buy anymore. It's great for the people who owned it beforehand because they get to sell it to the corner at crazy high prices. So based on the design of Bitcoin, it would be impossible for someone to try to buy all the Bitcoin there are in circulation. So you can't really dominate the Bitcoin market by buying it all up. It's really hard to hack. Bitcoin has never been hacked. It's hard to stamp out completely. So really the only path that the government has to limiting Bitcoin is to impose some regulations and limitations that are reasonable enough that people will comply with them. Therefore, no matter what the worst case scenario is, it's always a good idea to keep some of your Bitcoin in a hardware wallet that no one can access except for you. You should also keep some of it in exchanges so that if you do forget your password or your house burns down, it's not all lost. And you probably want to keep some in a Lightning Network wallet so you can actually transact with it whenever you want. This would be similar to keeping some money in your Venmo wallet. You're not going to keep it there long term and you're not going to keep huge amounts, but you want to have some so that you can buy things as you need to. Now let's get into the best case scenario. Best case scenario. The best case scenario is that not only does the Lightning Network allow Bitcoin to scale, it also alleviates many of the issues that are fundamental to Bitcoin. Many people have argued that Bitcoin uses too much energy, that the transaction fees are too high, that it takes too long to process. Well, if we're able to create this mesh network of peers, we could alleviate many of the main arguments against Bitcoin, and that would allow for a much better flow of information throughout the system. The Lightning Network is pretty revolutionary in that it represents instant global permissionless payments. And when you compare that to the status quo of ACH payments and bank wire transfers that take five to seven days to process and they're not that secure and the system itself is very outdated, the Lightning Network really enables Bitcoin to be the world's first native internet currency. On top of the benefits to Bitcoin, the Lightning Network may enable many other cryptocurrencies to flourish because of its interoperability. So rather than thinking of it as, 
all these cryptos versus Bitcoin. Think of it as this whole new ecosystem of better ways to transmit financial information. And the Lightning Network essentially is another layer on top of Bitcoin that can allow for this whole ecosystem to flourish. And this is really laying the foundation for Web 3.0. Web 3.0 is the next evolution of the internet. It is a blockchain based system, which is much more reliable, much faster, much more secure than the current system we have, which is reliant on centralized entities like Facebook and Apple and Google and all of these custodians of valuable information. Rather than having all these separate custodians that you have to trust, you can instead become part of a permissionless, trustless network where the only thing you have to trust is mathematics and code. There's already a decentralized social app called Sphinx, which allows you to message with your favorite creator and also tip them through the Lightning Network so that you can support people who are doing valuable things around the globe. Therefore, the Lightning Network is also censorship resistant, so you can make instant global payments to people even if their government is trying to censor them. So I can't wait to see how this entire space grows and evolves and develops. And I'm very optimistic about the future. And were it not for this entire blockchain world of Bitcoin, I would not be optimistic about the future. Now let's get into the most likely scenario. Most likely scenario. The most likely scenario is that the Lightning Network will take several years to fully develop and to fully have all the features that would allow it to compete with the current system on a usability basis. But I think even before then, it will start to really gain traction in countries like El Salvador, Paraguay, Nigeria, and Lebanon, who are already experiencing rampant inflation and devaluation of their currency. Eventually, I think it will likely become the de facto international global settlement system. So if you're settling between different nations, you will likely use Bitcoin or the Lightning Network for that. And over a long enough time span, I think it's quite likely the Lightning Network will enable Bitcoin to be one of the main mediums of exchange. I also think it's most likely that other crypto will be here to stay. I don't think this is a winner-take-all scenario. I think there are likely to be several cryptocurrencies that maintain their prominence over the next several decades. And I think fiat currencies will also still likely be around 10, 20 years from here, although probably in a much different form and with many changes needing to happen between now and then. I also think it's really helpful to remember what money is and what money does in a fundamental sense. And Elon said it really well when he says, quote, it's best to think of money as an information system, primarily an information system for labor allocation. So it's important to remember that this is not about one currency versus another. This is about creating a more fluid information system for labor allocation and for global finance more broadly. We want to create a higher quality information system. And to me, it's inevitable that we will create a higher quality information system. Even if the Lightning Network fails, even if Bitcoin fails, even if all the cryptocurrencies we know today fail, there will be some better system that will become implemented in the future. We cannot go backwards. We can't put the cat back in the box. And I'd like to end with a quote directly taken from Satoshi, where he speaks to the problem that Bitcoin is aiming to solve. He says, quote, The root problem with conventional currency is all the trust that's required to make it work. 
The central bank must be trusted not to debase the currency, but the history of fiat currencies is full of breaches of that trust. Banks must be trusted to hold our money and transfer it electronically, but they lend it out in waves of credit bubbles with barely a fraction in reserve. In other words, as a Bitcoin sticker I saw on the sidewalk the other day put it, fix the money, fix the world. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. And I'll see you next week. The past, the present, and the future. Present and the future